Welcome to the Baltic Triangle Podcast, your monthly appointment to find out about Liverpool's evolving work and leisure culture from the heart of the frighteningly trendy Baltic Triangle here in Liverpool. I'm Mark Reeson. And I'm Mick Ord. And I've been busy over the past couple of weeks and most recently met up with the editor of Britain's longest surviving community newspaper, the Scotty Press, which was founded in 1971 and which has just been relaunched. It's always been a bit unique. It's never pulled its punches and it's always said that what, what's needed to be said. And I think that's almost come full circle now. I think people have become more polarised from, you know, national news organisations than they ever have before. The people are starting, you know, the whole sort of fake news generation that we're living in. Sometimes people want something familiar to get their news from and, you know, people can genuinely trust the Scotty Press. And I've been to visit an organisation which does some incredible work, bringing together generations from all over Liverpool in an attempt to combat loneliness. Although we don't think about loneliness being bad for your health, maybe, it's actually as bad for you as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So we have a lot of marketing surrounding why you shouldn't smoke, but we don't actually have a lot of marketing about why you should talk to your neighbours. And I think that should change. And we'll be hearing a lot more from Jess Dyson Horton a little bit later. Honestly, Mick, it's cracking stuff. Well, I've been out and about to Vauxhall over the past couple of weeks to meet Joel Hansen, a young man who three years ago took over the reins of Britain's oldest community newspaper, the Scotty Press. It was founded in 1971, but in recent years, times have been tough for this free newspaper. But thanks to Joel and his team of volunteers, the paper, and of course its online companion, has been relaunched and things are looking brighter than they have been for a long time. Joel takes up the story. I was unemployed, looking for work, wasn't going very well. Seen an opportunity to go and work at a newspaper for six months, go and work at the Scotty Press for six months. Um, I thought, oh, yeah, that sounds brilliant. And I think, obviously, there must have been something rang at the back of my head. Something I must have known the paper. My nan read the paper. You know, my family knew it. But initially, you know, it was just, oh, brilliant, yeah, go and work at a local newspaper in Liverpool. Didn't even think there was anything but the echo, really. Turned up, said, oh, yeah, I'll do whatever, you know, whether it's just volunteering. Um, initially, um, when I started, I assumed there was going to be an editor and other members of staff and a functioning newspaper and, you know, it coming out on a on a release date, but none of that was in place. You know, the the paper had been in a very steady decline for um about ten years and, you know, it was looking like it was about to go out of print completely. So for me it, it was quite clear that either give this a go and try and get it back going again or, you know, the inevitable's gonna happen. So so uh, And you were very young to do that, weren't you? Without yeah. don't want that to sound patronizing. No, but yeah. how, I mean how how old were you when um, you decided so to do, do all that? So I was 23 um, when I got it, when I got the position. Didn't really have much background in journalism or that much to do, to do with community newspapers. But really, I, th I think for me, I just found it really interesting. I was looking through all the old archives, looking through all the old pictures, reading up on the history. and couldn't quite believe what I'd sort of stumbled upon. Now I'd sort of been given the reins to give it a go. So, you know, I, it was a huge challenge, but it was, you know, it was exciting and it was completely unique. And I thought, why not? Fantastic thing to be able to do. So then I looked at the, the latest edition a couple of yeah. weeks ago and I was amazed at the change because you did a, 
a full a full couple of pages on the various developments mm. that are or aren't happening <laughs> yeah. around the Liverpool and particularly around the Scotty Road area. Mm. And it was it was a really good report. And I was just mm. thinking, wow, mm. I need to interview him because this this is a serious yeah. relaunch, and it is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think and I think <clears throat> maybe that's. I think it's something the Scottish Press has always done. It's always, it, it has always investigated and it has always maybe said things that, you know, other news outlets weren't or saying the things that really needed to be said about the local area, whether it was controversial or not. Um, and potentially recently it might have, you know, before I got there, maybe it's um, sort of steered off from that and it become a lot more just community-based and things, things happening in the area, but... You know, I think if it's gonna, I think it's if it's gonna survive, you really need to. I think you need to be. I think you need to offer something from you know every aspect of uh, of being a journalist. And I think if there's, you know, if there's is these huge issues that are potentially affecting an an area. I think that your duty as an editor or as a journalist in a local newspaper is to is to try and expose it and or at least look into it because you know if you're not, no one else is. And that and and that was the reality. I was like, if I don't or if we don't report on this, this is just gonna go, you know, right on right under everyone's noses and that doesn't really seem fair and it doesn't seem right and you know, there's I think there's a sort of a moral obligation that you have. Whether other people see see the Scotty press as something that should be doing that, I think you know, I think it's something that needs to be done and I think with that, I think you get a lot of. Uh, I think it gives you a lot more respect as a as a local newspaper and as a local institution. And how does it pay for itself? Because they're all free, aren't they? All the copies mm. are free, and you don't have any adverts in it. No. So, are you getting grants off someone? Or? Yeah. So the um, so the to fund the model isn't um, is the sort of the, the next stage, really. To be honest, um, you know, I, I I was partly funded for. Um, a lot of the time I've been trying to rebuild this from when it was, you know, uh, just literally the little black and white newspaper that I'd print and fold. Um, I, but, you know, I knew we had to sort of move past that model because that, you know, even in itself wasn't sustainable. We received a few different grants. So we got um, some money off Awards for All, the lottery, and we got uh, some off uh, Power to Change, uh, which is another sort of grant funder um, who are quite invested in Liverpool at the moment and through their support and um, you know through their financial uh, input we were able to sort of create a new model create a new design um, and the idea was we want to we want to make it free we want to you know increase our circulation massively and we want to put it right over the city to say you know look this is the Scotty Press and either entice people that didn't know what it was um, and get new readerships, maybe spark a few old memories and get some old old readers that have thought it had gone out of print, maybe. But really, sort of try and sort of solidify ourselves as a, a very important voice that needed to stay in the local area. The funding is going to allow us to do this newspaper to, um, I think we're going to get about three more editions. So the next edition is we need sponsorships, we need advertisement. And, you know, that's something I'm pushing at the moment. And, you know, ho hopefully... Hopefully we can get that. Hopefully people see the importance of keeping this paper in print, and and will and will help us out financially. But you know, inevitably, newspapers have gone out of print for a reason, and 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 they have been in decline for a long time. So we're sort of going against the grain a little bit there. Has anyone actually said to you, "You are mad," because mm. big newspaper titles have gone down the swanee, haven't they? You know. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, definitely had a few funny looks uh, moving into the newspaper industry. Um, but, you know, I think part, I mean, that's sort of part of what I loved and that drove me, especially at the start when I was, like, folding and printing this newspaper, this black and white newspaper, and people looking at me like, shouldn't you be writing a blog online or something? And it's, you know, yeah, probably. But I feel like this is, a, you know, it's a, it's a dying industry and it's a dying trade and, you know, how lucky am I that I still get to do it in the most sort of traditional format possible? And we can talk about the online yeah. edition because, yeah. you know, you do do an online version, don't you? But what's been the reaction when all of a sudden you come out with a proper news story mm. covering about, I guess, what, five or six pages in the latest yeah. edition? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's been great. It's been great from from across all different aspects, whether it's, you know, whether it's someone who's been getting the Scotty Press for years from the first ever edition and loves it because you know either they've moved out of the area they still live in the area and they want to keep informed so we've had phone calls off people like that going you've done an absolutely fantastic job so it's you know it's great to know that we're retaining and we're doing right by the original hardcore loyal readership because they're the most important after all aside from that we're getting you know people who don't know anything about the Scotty Press around my age thinking, oh, that's really cool. I like that. You know, it's interesting. It's, you know, it's varied. So we're, we're managing, it, managing to, I think, sort of feed into these different areas and, and, and still gauge interest from that. You know, we're getting, you know, credible journalists, reporters from the ITV, journalists from the Times, journalists from all different places who are aware of what we're doing and aware that we're touching on subjects that are actually pretty big, big stories for you know what is a small community newspaper and we're getting their respect and we're getting their attention as well so it's it's interesting to see how how sort of far far the reach of the paper can be and it will be a bi-monthly edition yeah yeah so we're going to be bi-monthly yeah yeah and you're looking for advertisers obviously i mean what's been the reaction of companies when you've said to them do you want to advertise in our newspaper um, well, that's ongoing. So we've had a few requests um, from people already. So we're slowly building up, but probably not quite in the position to really give an accurate, accurate uh, statement on that. But you know, the, I'm not sort of delusional about about the sort of current state of newspapers and 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 competing for advertisement. I mean, the reality is that any company can set up his own Facebook page, his own Instagram, or his own Twitter push you know sponsorships and advertisement through his own page and probably get maybe more of a reaction than they would in a newspaper so i mean whether that's true or not i'm not sure but it's definitely it's definitely competition that didn't exist five ten years ago so everyone is their own platform in a sense so i think i think with a newspaper you've got to guarantee that people are going to read it so i think more than ever the content's got to be it's got to be to a very high standard because your advertisement's got going to be seen because people want to read stories that they know they can only get in the Scotty Press. I think what we, we've got to push really is, you know, we're a trusted news source, we're reliable, and hopefully everyone we bring on as sponsorships and everyone we reach out to is also going to get that same impression of their company because they're advertising in a trusted news source. So how many editions do you print then? 5,000. Yeah, so five. So we we've gone up to five thousand in that in that new format. Anyway, it, before that it was probably about one thousand five hundred, but as I say, it was quite a, a strenuous job because it was all it was all you know manual labour. 
on my behalf. But let's look at the history of the Scotty Press, and you've got a wonderful mm. bound album in front of you now. I mean, I'm I'm 63, and I remember the Scotty Press back in the early 70s, and that. And you've got the first you've you've got the number one edition there haven't you yeah. and and many others in front of you i mean it has got a very impressive history hasn't it oh yeah it's unbelievable i mean to think it's just you know to think we're sort of coming up to our 50th anniversary in february 2021 is is amazing and and I, you know i think i think that's and i think that is because of the is because of the quality of news. It's 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 always featured in it. It's always been a little bit different. It's always been a bit unique. It's never pulled its punches, and it's always said that what what's needed to be said. And I think that's almost come full circle now. I think people have become more polarized from you know national news organisations than they ever have before. The people are start and you know the whole sort of fake news generation that we're living in. Sometimes people want something familiar to get their news from, and you know people can genuinely trust the Scotty Press. And I think. When you see rats here, so like a warning about, you know, a lo local rat infestation. I mean, we're, we're, we're doing an article on this very same thing, and this was in the first edition in 1971. You know, 446 editions later, there's still a rat problem. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it's interesting to see things don't really change that much, in, in a sense. Um, I mean, at the time... Scotty Road was in decline, but mm -hmm. there were still probably a lot more people living in this area, yeah, perhaps, yeah. than there are now. Yeah, yeah. And yet it retains this attraction for the diaspora, the people who've moved away. Like, mm -hmm. you you lived in Southport, and yeah. yet all your family, yeah. had, or a lot of them had moved up there, but a lot of those will stay around here. So there is yeah. a kind of, there's an emotional attachment to this mm -hmm. area, isn't it, that you can play on? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I think... Along with the fact it has been a has been a great paper, um, you know you can't deny probably one of the reasons it's lasted so long is because it it resembles so much more than what's in the paper and the news it's publishing. You know it resembles almost a lost generation of people, a generation of people that were forced to move out of an area, thousands of people forced to move out their homes and spread across Liverpool when they didn't want to, when they wanted to stay around Scotland Road when they identified themselves as Scotty Roaders. And I think I think with that and the fact that you see Scotland Road today and it, you know, it doesn't look anything like it used to and and that whole community has been dispersed. But they retain that through I think a big part is through the Scotty Press. You know, the area might look different, but you know, the paper that, you know, give a voice to them people is you know, is still battling on. So I I think I think it's a big part of, of local heritage and history now. No, so I, so I think that's always, you know, probably a big indicator of why the the papers lasted so long because of the sort of the wider it's sort of wider appeal. Will you only do news stories that affect this area, the Scotty Road area, or will you do them from the North End yeah. or Kirby or whatever? I think the paper's always sort of dabbled on, you know, reaching out a little bit further afield. Probably because I didn't grow up here. Sometimes you don't see these um, these sort of cutoffs of different places. You're just thinking, well, that's just that's just there. That's just over that road. But over that road might be a, a whole different area with a whole <laughs> over different the bridge. Yeah, a whole different identity. And I think I think a lot of that almost like it's, it come from the parishes. And oh, you're from that parish. I'm from this parish. And someone said it to me once uh, you know Liverpool's the you know 
the city of little villages. You know, it's it's all 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 these little different areas that are, you know, very sort of distinctive and are proud to be their own little place. But I think um, what I've seen the Scotty Presses or should do is always you always sort of stay true and always be um, predominantly, you know, Vauxhall, Kirkdale and Everton, which I think it has always been to an extent. Um, but, you know, wh why not sort of spread out a little bit further afield? Because I think there's a lot of people who need a paper, first of all, because none of these news independent newspapers that really are grassroots organisations fighting for people's rights and really you know doing what a newspaper should do exist anymore they don't they, you know they've either died out or you know bigger these bigger news organizations have come in and uh, sort of taken over and, and aren't really probably something that a lot of people can associate with i think there's i think there's an appeal for the scotty press out there i think i think people want it i think for us for our sustainability as a business you know in a sense if we can have a you know if we can engage a bigger readership because we're you know, we're reporting in a bigger area. Then, then I think that makes sense. And I think, and I think now that they're the decisions you've got to look like, look at. You know, can could could we sustain ourselves with just being about Kirkdale? You know, is 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 that an, enough of a an area to cover? And I I I think um, we've we've naturally progressed with um, covering a covering the wider fields of North Liverpool. I think, but to be honest, I think people have taken to that. I think it's uh, it's worked quite well. Who writes the stories? I mean, do you write them all? Did you write all that um, story on the front, yeah, so the front, that's front all couple of pages about the developments in Liverpool? Yeah. You did yeah. all that yourself because it's quite a, a piece of work, isn't it? It is. It took a long time, yeah. Um, it's it's pure just waking up in the morning till you go to bed, making sure that everything's in place. And so the way it's really worked is from since from when I took over, it's mainly been me who's been writing them. Um, we've got another lad who's actually on as an assistant editor for six months at the moment called Lewis, so he's he's doing a lot of the writing as well. Um, but mainly it was it, it it's been between me and Lewis, and then there's just been a slow build up of um, you know volunteer writers as well. So now we've got like a, a team of people who may who work on a voluntary basis who will always contribute a, an article or two. But you know the the sort of the day to day running of it is 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 using me and. Now we've got Lewis, support from Lewis as well. So if you fast forward to 12 months' time, where mm. would you like the Scotty Press to be? What kind of things would you like to be doing? Mm. I'd, it'd be great if we, you know, had a you know, financially sustainable model. Continuing doing what we're doing, you know, predominantly reporting on things, trying to improve the local area, trying to, you know, ensure that people are informed and they know what's happening and, you know, they know how to either change their own lives or change the change the state of the neighbourhood they live in, what, what, whatever it is, I think, you know, access to information is important and, you know, if we can give people that through the paper um, and make keep it informed, then great. But I think there's a much bigger scope for the Scotty Press, I think, like we talked about before, whether we go into uh, creating podcasts, whether we move into maybe making little documentaries, video documentaries. Obviously, we're coming up to the 50th anniversary, so we want to do a big exhibition, we want to do celebrate Scotland Road over 50 years and you know how we'll do that and whether it's bringing some of the bigger arts and creative institutions and museums into this area whether we go there but you know I think I think there's I think there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff that we're going to do which is just there which is going to show that you know it is it is more than the newspaper and use a lot of our assets for our benefit as well 
And, you know, the other side of it is we want to eventually look at potentially creating journalism workshops and, you know, maybe photography classes and really being being a place that not only you can come and get the chance to write and get some experience, but you can also you can also get some valid credentials. So you can also learn a little bit and hopefully be a place that if you do want to dip your toe in journalism, you can come learn it through the Scotty Press and you can also write for the paper. I'd I'd see that as a as a as like an end goal. Well, I mean that's a fantastic goal to have, and you know, best of luck with that. One of the things in the the latest edition that I wanted you to talk about was how the Scotty Press started. Oh yeah, yeah. Back in the yeah. back in nineteen seventy seventy one. Yeah. It was actually down to it was down to a number of people, wasn't it? Yeah. But it was down to one particular bloke. Yeah. Who's sadly no longer with us. Do you just no. want to talk about him and and the fact yeah. that his family is still around this area? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So um, I always knew there was one. A remaining member of the original editorial group, a guy called Bernie Murphy, and I always, I sort of knew we were going to relaunch, and I said, you know, that's always got to be the article that we've got to put in the paper. Scotty Press meets its maker, go and interview the the original guy and find out about him, and you know, get a bit of insight on how it all started. So, so I knew a little bit, but not much more than that. So obviously, I went to interview Bernie. What I found that interesting was. He said, you know, it was really this guy from Newcastle, this young student from Newcastle who was really talented and just turned up in one of these sort of Vauxhall community meetings and said, anyone interested in doing a paper? If so, you know, go and get a group of about six people. Um, we'll meet up and, you know, we'll, we'll start going over some ideas. So, it, you know, it initiated from this guy. And, and I think it's quite amazing, really, that you just have these, you know, glimpses of people who come in probably unknowingly you know starts start something and create something so significant you know from just an idea and a community meeting and we we actually done an exhibition about a year ago and oh, a lady comes up to me and she was like oh my god the scotty press can't can't believe it's still going and was you know quite emotional about about seeing the scotty press all the old archives and you know seeing the editor still there and you know someone still fighting to keep this black and white paper in print uh, and then we got chatting and she said, oh, my, my husband was Ian Herring, who was this, you know, young Newcastle lad who started the paper. And, and um, yeah, she was just overwhelmed with, with joy, really, to see that, you know, obviously the work he put in years ago was still going. And, you know, we got to meet his son, who was sounded like a great lad as well. And we got to chat a little bit. And, you know, to see the sort of the emotional attachment people still had for the paper was quite was quite amazing, really. And Ian sadly died, hasn't he? But his yeah. family is still around here. Yeah, yeah. So Ian passed when he was quite young, but yeah, his, his family is still there, yeah. How heartwarming it is to see how that story has overlapped onto a, a, a different generation completely. And what an incredible achievement for such a, a, a young guy. And it's great to see a newspaper actually being relaunched and not folding. I mean... You know, the best of luck to Joel and his team of volunteers. I think they're doing a great job. But um, it's amazing that it was started in 71, thanks to a student from Newcastle who was just in the city. And it was, it was really heartwarming to hear that the guy's widow and his son t turned up and they didn't even know the Scotty Press was still existing. It was, I remember back in Liverpool in the, in the 70s and it was really fighting for the local community. A guy called Ron Formby took it over and did a fantastic job, but I must say it needed a revival and Joel, Joel is there to, to give it that revival. So best of luck for them. And if people want to invest in the advertising or anything like that, he'd love to hear from you. 
it's going to be increasingly important, I think, just to have that community connection, though, because, you know, a lot of those communities are, are going to be fairly isolated going forward, aren't they? Yeah, because, I mean, we all know the stories of local newspapers and indeed local radio stations shutting down or pulling back the news coverage. So for him to be able to do this successfully, he's going to need a lot of backing from the local community, but also investors. So... I always think the best ideas are those grassroots, the ones that come from the ground and go up rather than top down. So good luck to Joel anyway. What an incredible story, Mick. What have I been up to? Well, Mick, I went to see an organisation, as I said, called Liverpool Cares. Uh, they do some incredible work. Uh, they're a community network of older and younger neighbours and they look to help each other out in a rapidly changing city. Uh, I met up with Jess Dyson Horton, who's the head of programmes at Liverpool Cares, to find out a little bit more about what they do and why it makes such a difference. We're actually a small local charity. We've been running for just over a year now. Um, there's only four of us that work here and we all work really hard trying to basically uh, reach people in communities across the city, bring people together for some shared experiences, a bit of laughter, a bit of fun, and hopefully along the way, maybe help with some of that social isolation that people might be feeling. Um, because Liverpool is an amazing city. We all know it's the best city to live in ever. It's full of personality and laughter and music and fascinating people. But because of all the changes that Liverpool has seen over the last few years, it's actually um, a more fragmented city than we'd probably like to admit. We've got people living side by side who you know, have never met before, who wouldn't necessarily organically meet as well. We've got older neighbours who are living in um, communities for 50, 60 years that have seen massive growth, massive change, who are now living alongside maybe rented accommodation with young professionals or younger people um, living in it. So what we're trying to do is find these two groups of people and give them a space where they can come together, hang out, have a laugh and do some different things. Why is loneliness such an issue then? To be honest, I think loneliness has become a kind of epidemic in our country. Um, January to March, although we, although we traditionally think of maybe October to December as being the coldest months of the year, nowadays January to March is actually the coldest time of the year. And it's actually when people can face a lot of isolation due to um, difficulty with mobility, difficulty getting out of the house, um, difficulty getting to shops, accessing services. Um, we find that loneliness is just bad for your health and I think as cities grow and rapidly change and new communities are being built of younger people we need to make sure that we are keeping older generations involved in that conversation um, we have amazing places in Liverpool like we have cat cafes and really cool restaurants on Smithdown and we've got like microbreweries popping up all over the place but what happens when older generations don't feel like they're invited to that party and don't feel welcome in those spaces? And we need to change that conversation and make everyone feel welcome. Uh, although we don't think about loneliness being bad for your health, maybe, it's actually as bad for you as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So we have a lot of marketing surrounding why you shouldn't smoke, but we don't actually have a lot of marketing about why you should talk to your neighbours. And I think that should change. We've also, um, studies have also proven that if you are lonely, you are 64% more likely to develop a form of dementia, which is terrifying. Um, and I think also on a really normal human level, we should just talk more. 
you know, we should be better, kinder people to those living around us. You know, we want to live in places that are vibrant spaces where we feel welcome and yet we're not all putting the work in to make that happen and that should change. Loneliness can affect young people as well as older people. Is that the case? One thing that we always say is that older people have these amazing roots in their communities, but they have very few social connections as people grow up and leave cities and move further and further away. And young people are the opposite problem. We're on our phones, we're plugged into headphones, we're not making eye contact with people, we're not talking to people on public transport anymore. We've got thousands of Instagram followers, but we're not actually connecting with people on a really basic human level. You know, I could name 10 friends off the bat who I know hate picking up the phone to have a conversation, but will happily text me. And it becomes so normalised that we're not having conversations with people. Um, There was a study done last year that actually came out and said that 16 to 24 year olds describe themselves as being often or almost always lonely. And that is a terrifying statistic to think about that this is our younger generation who are going to inherit the places where we live and we're not doing enough to connect them to the places that they are settling. Um, I've come back to Liverpool after about eight years of being away and this job working in these communities has connected me to Liverpool so quickly and I have made friends, I have met neighbours and I've done that because I, w- I wouldn't have done that otherwise if I hadn't been doing the job I'm doing. Um, I would have found it very difficult to embed myself in these communities so quickly. So in some respects, then, older people get isolated for different reasons, whereas loneliness can be very isolating in itself, can't it? Yeah, loneliness is a very isolating feeling, and I think it's felt unanimously across generations for various reasons. I think as we become a more technologically advanced um, city and a, a nation, we are creating loneliness by the very basis of becoming more connected digitally we're not being connected on a kind of you could say old-fashioned level Um, you might know of a younger person who talks to lots of people across the world on a global level but maybe doesn't go to their local community center to talk about the people that they live next door to and that's what I suppose we hope to change in doing what we do and bringing people together in different spaces. We're trying to open that conversation up more so that when you are walking down the street, you see people that you recognise and it's as a result of being involved with what we do. So I think the clue's in the name, but is Liverpool Care specifically uh, aimed and and enabled by Liverpudlians? Yeah, um, Liverpool Cares is inherently Liverpudlian. Um, I may not sound it, but my family's all from Liverpool and we're all like, intimately connected with this city. We are all passionate people that live here and love the place that we um, live in. And I think it's really important that that is um, the people that are working on the ground in Liverpool Cares because there are lots of community organisations that are doing incredible work on small scales and we're not trying to overshadow anybody. What we're trying to do is come in and help connect those dots, bring more people into different spaces, 
and just kind of be that helping hand where we can bring people to a bar or a pub that they wouldn't have necessarily gone to otherwise or we can introduce um, younger people to places like Kitty's Laundrette in Anfield which is an amazing community laundrette but it's also an amazing community space where lots goes on that you wouldn't necessarily know about if you weren't coming along to social clubs for example. Uh, I think one thing that we're very proud of at Liverpool Cares is that we work very hard on the ground doing a lot of outreach in the communities that we want to work in. Uh, that includes you know, talking to community leaders, uh, but it also includes a lot of door knocking. So we will go and talk to people living in sheltered housing schemes and actually talk to them about what they want our programmes to look like. I don't think there's any point in us running social clubs or programmes that look like what we think people need. We need to be intuitive about how we run things. They need to look like what people want them to look like. Liverpudlians are warm, friendly, uh, they've got lots of stories to tell. Tell me about the benefits then on both sides. Yeah, no, I think you've hit the nail on the head, like people are warm and friendly. Um, something I always say is that I think Liverpool people want to do what we're doing inherently right off the bat. All we're trying to give them is an avenue by which to get together. Um, for example, like one older neighbour who I absolutely love speaking to is Cathy. Cathy's in her 70s. She's amazing and she beats every stereotype of what you think an older person would be like. She's got this amazing blue and purple hair. She takes herself off to the cinema every week. She loves Stephen King. And she comes along to almost every single social club that we run. Cathy, um, by her own admission, was quite a shy person last year. She unfortunately lost her husband a few years ago and as a result of that wasn't used to going into spaces alone. She'd spent almost her entire life as part of a pair and wasn't used to walking into a room full of people as a single person. And she came along to our very first social club, which was a craft club, and she now comes along to social clubs every week. She's been to over 50 social clubs at last count and to watch her grow in confidence but also try new things, get stuck in. It's, it's stereotype beating, but it's also really, um, really heartwarming. She came along to a line dancing social club last year. She hates dancing. She, by her own admission, has two left feet. But she came along, she gave it a go, she had a cup of tea and she had a good laugh. Um, if, I, if a couple of weeks go by and I haven't seen Cathy, I wonder what's going on. Um, we had one instance where we actually got a Twitter message last year from one of Cathy's daughters who said, um, I've been looking for my mum, I've been trying to get a hold of her all evening and she's not picking up the phone and I'm starting to get a bit worried and then suddenly a brainwave hits me and I think Liverpool cares. I go on Twitter and there's my mum in a photo in a pub on Smithdown Road having a glass of wine and chatting to someone who's 50 years younger than her. Thank you, Liverpool Cares. It's very lovely for us to get that. But it's also testament to how much Cathy is willing to put herself out of her comfort zone and willing to put that effort in to get that benefit back. Um, I always think that Liverpool Cares works if you're willing to put in what you can because you'll get it back in kind. So come to social clubs, talk to people you wouldn't have usually spoken to, uh, ask questions and be energetic about it because you'll get so much back from the people that you meet. So Liverpool Cares is obviously active across the whole of the region, but have you got any specific examples of, of ways that you work with the Baltic? 
Uh, yeah, we totally get into the Baltic. We've got a brilliant relationship with the Baltic market. The guys there have been incredibly generous. Um, they have done things for us like um, donating to raffles at our previous fundraisers. So you could get a 50 quid bar tab at the Baltic market, which is highly coveted prize. But we've also done social clubs there. So over in um, Oktoberfest, we got a space on their balcony. We got a drink and we got a chance to kind of watch some of the bands that were playing and really have a good laugh while we were there and it's a fantastic place for older and younger people to come together because it's a place that's seen a lot of regeneration over the last few years it's a lot of independent businesses popping up and it's not a space that older neighbors know a great deal about sometimes so it's really lovely to bring them into a place like Baltic Market um, you know get them a slice of pizza get them a cocktail and let them see the kind of regeneration that's taking place in these underrepresented bits of the city. So it's very important for you to have those kind of relationships, those link with people like Dave Williams and, and the Baltic Market. I mean, could anybody get involved with that kind of level of relationship with you? Completely. Um, we would love to hear from anybody and everybody. So not too long ago, we were actually over at Tusk. Um, they are a fantastic space and um, we held a clothes repair workshop there and we're looking at holding more stuff with Tusk in the future but honestly anyone um, working around that area please do get in touch we're going to um, Farm Urban uh, not in sometime this month for a visit there so we are trying to do more in these parts of the city that you don't necessarily expect to see younger and older people coming together in. They're doing some amazing work at Farm Urban. Uh, recently uh, worked with them on the, on the podcast with their Greens for Good campaign. So that's a, a really, really interesting place for you to hold some sort of function in. So looking forward to seeing an update on that at some point. Yeah, I'm really excited. Just the idea of vertical planting absolutely amazes me. And I can't wait to see people's faces when they see what's going on in a basement. I just... Yeah, I think it's incredibly exciting what they're doing. And um, places like Tusk as well, we've got to give a massive shout out to like Baltic Market and Tusk. They are people are so generous with their time and their space, and that goes for the entire city of Liverpool, to be honest. Um, but especially these spaces have been so generous and really do make us feel welcome and welcome us back month after month. That's brilliant. If I was to volunteer tomorrow, what would the next steps be for me? Yeah, so there's tons of ways you can get involved with us. So um, you can come to a volunteer induction with us, which happens every single month. It's an e one evening every month, usually on a Thursday. Um, you can sign up on our website to get updates about when those inductions are happening. By coming along to a two-hour induction, you are ready to go. So we try to keep as little red tape as possible for people. So our social clubs are held in public spaces with a member of staff present. So you could come to a social club the day after coming to an induction if you wanted. There's no barrier there at all. You could also get involved with our Love Your Neighbour programme, which is a one-to-one -one friendship matching programme that we run, where you would be matched with an older neighbour who lives nearby to you that you share mutual interests with. You'd then spend an hour with that person every week trying to build a, like a long-lasting, mutually beneficial friendship. Um, you could also get involved with our outreach, like you've just said. So we run a winter wellbeing project every year. It's a six-month project that's actually ongoing at the moment. It finishes at the end of March. And uh, what we do during this time is really intensive outreach in specific areas of Liverpool, where we door knock, we talk to community leaders, and we ask people what they need. So we try to find people over the age of 65 who, yeah, maybe need a warm blanket, maybe need a bit of financial help. We have a small grant system 
where we can hand out uh, small grants to help with fuel bills, maybe to help with food vouchers. Um, we could buy someone a brand new coat. Um, we also hand out blankets, uh, hot water bottles, thermoses, gloves, hats, scarves for free. So if you know someone, for example, that lives on your road and you've seen them walking around and you think, God, they're in a really thin coat, they don't look like they're staying warm, they're not wearing a hat, they're not wearing a scarf, um, you could get in touch with us, we can give you some leaflets, you could pass one on, you could start that conversation. Um, or if they give consent, we can pop round to their house, drop them off a blanket or a, a scarf, um, but also make referrals to other organisations that are doing amazing work in the city. So there are some really cool organisations that are helping people out with their fuel bills, that are helping people insulate their homes properly. And it's really important, I think, that we share those resources and have a bigger conversation about helping people in our communities. You can also do fundraising challenges. So uh, last year, a group of about 20 of us abseiled down Liverpool Cathedral. You'll have seen lots of photos if you look on our website of um, groups of us in green t-shirts scaling the cathedral. Um, we also do things like the Santa Dash. We've actually got a fundraising challenge coming up, which is the 15th of March, and it's the Nosley 10K. So if you fancy having a run on a Sunday, if you are an avid runner or you just fancy giving it a go, um, you can get in touch with us and raise money for us as, um, as part of the fundraising challenge. Um, we'll provide you with all the bits you need to get going. We'll give you a load of support. Uh, we'll even come along and cheer you on on the day. So Jess, how can people keep up to date with what Liverpool Cares is doing in the community? So we're all over social media. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook and on Twitter. We try to give updates about what we're up to, whether that's outreach, social clubs, love your neighbour matches, all the time. Um, you can also head to our website, which is liverpoolcares.org.uk. From there, you can find out how to get involved with us by coming along to a volunteer induction. You can find out some more information about our programmes. You can also see what fundraising challenges we've got coming up, like the one I mentioned earlier. Um, or you can just do it the old-fashioned way and give us a call. So we love just picking up the call and having a chat with people. Uh, we think it's the best way to stay in touch and it means that everyone we talk to we're actually getting to know and you're getting to know us. So give us a call. Um, you can call us on 0151 659 1789 and by giving us a call there you can get through to any member of the team and we'll try and help you out with whatever your question is. Jess, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure to meet you today and hear all about what Liverpool Cares does. You're very welcome. Well, that was Jess Dyson-Horton from Liverpool Cares. They're doing great work and they, I believe they meet up quite a lot in the Baltic Triangle as well as other parts of the city, obviously, as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was surprised and, and delighted to hear that the, they already had a good connection with people like Tusk and, uh, and with the Baltic markets. And, and it's just such a perfect foil for, for, for members of the community there that wouldn't necessarily know what was happening here in the Baltic. It's a great opportunity for them to come here, you know, and not feel so kind of out of place and uncomfortable in, and, and be in an environment where such a lot of great stuff is happening. A really good way of them connecting with, with the way that our city's changed. And I mean, there are lots and lots of people, I mean, including people like you who weren't from this city originally, who move in. And it's e easy to underestimate the the changes that they're undergoing really, isn't it? You know, it's quite easy to be lonely here. You don't have to be alone and elderly and have no family. You know, there are plenty of young people here that need to get to know the city. And so what Liverpool Cares is doing, I think is really important. I think it's a unique way as well that people can connect with 
uh, you know, some really amazing people. And you can share some of their stories from the past and also to talk to them about where the city's going in the future. So it's a really, really good, heartwarming story. And they do some fantastic work there. Okay, well, if you've got any bright ideas or suggestions for interviews for the Baltic Triangle podcast, then do get in touch with us. The email address is... It's info at baltictrianglepodcast.com. And don't forget to tell your mates about us. And if you're feeling particularly generous, then rate and review our podcasts as well on whoever provides it for you. And for interview ideas, just give us the uh, email address again. Well, that email address is info at baltictriangle.com. So uh, drop us a line anytime and uh, let us know if you think you found someone who might be an interesting person for us to talk to. Anyway, Mick, that's about it for us for this time round. So uh, all it remains for us to say is all the very best to you. And uh, thanks for listening and see you soon. Yeah, thanks a lot.